Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. And I'm just going to put it out there that if you have not already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening it to. And that way you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review too. I always enjoy reading everyone's feedback. And I just want to say thank you to all those who reach out to me on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn too. I really, really love seeing what you guys have to say about the show. So thank you for that. All right. So today I've got a fantastic guest with us, someone who played in the NFL, was an NFL executive, and also who has a son currently playing in the league, which we'll talk about during the show. So inside the huddle with us today and ready to share his amazing insights and to help us to move the ball is Sheldon White. Sheldon is a former NFL defensive back who played college football at the University of Miami, Ohio, and was drafted in the third round of the 1988 NFL draft by the New York Giants. During his six-year NFL career, Sheldon played for the Giants and also the Detroit Lions and the Cincinnati Bengals. Post the NFL, Sheldon worked for 19 years in the front office with the Detroit Lions, including serving as the vice president of pro personnel for six years and also serving as the GM in 2015, interim GM. Sheldon has also been on the executive staff at Michigan State University and currently is a college scout with the Washington football team. Sheldon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you with us today. I mean, I remember talking with you towards the beginning of last year in 2020 when we were at the Combine and saying, hey, I'd love to get you on the podcast. So here we are now have you on the show. I'm really excited. And I can't believe that it's been so long since that Combine. So much has gone on with the world, with football. And even this year, we were just talking before the show about how it's already June. And wow, where's 2021 gone? Absolutely. It's been a long time, but I'm glad that we're getting the shots in the arms right now and everyone's getting vaccinated and we're getting back to closer to normal right now. It's a good time. Absolutely. Yes. It's nice to see the world have some sort of normalcy and being on that path to more normal way of living. So that's great to see. So where I want to kick off our conversation is let's talk a little bit about how football connects so well to business, to branding, to your career and to life. As you know, in my book, Move the Ball, I discuss a number of strategies and principles and lessons that show people how to reach that next level of success in wherever they're trying to go. So Sheldon, as someone who has been around the game in so many different capacities, share with us some of the lessons that you have learned both through your playing time as well as your executive career that have really helped you to be successful. The thing that really helped me initially, I thought, was that when you're a football player, you know, sometimes you'll hear guys talk about the politics of the game or whatever, but at the end of the day, the coach wants to win the game. So you have to make sure that you're the best option for him. And that really kind of plays, you know, you're young, you're just talented. And as you continue to ascend, like you mentioned, I've been drafted in the National Football League. So when you're running at better players, lots of times you're just more talented than your competition. 
But then there's other times where you have to go compete. So one of the earlier lessons that my father taught me was you can't leave it up to the decision of the decision maker. You have to be clearly better. So when you start looking at athletics, for a lot of us, it was easier to be better. Competition gets stiffer as you go from high school to college to pro, obviously. Obviously, my goal was to be in a Hall of Fame. I didn't quite get there, but I shot for it. So your goal is to, I'm in the Miami's Hall of Fame, but not the NFL's. But your goal is to get there and play as at the highest level as you can and to make it clear that you're the best option to win a game and making it clear to the coach. So that really comes into play when you just start talking about competition and learning how to uh, do things, to train your body, your mind, study the game, just from that type of a preparation standpoint. One of the other things I did is when I was in the National Football League, my background is finance. I got a finance degree from Miami University in Ohio. And one of the things I did as I got a little older, you know, the average life is three years in the NFL. So once I got a little older, I became an intern, accounting intern for the Dayton Power and Light Company back in Dayton, Ohio, where I'm from. And the goal was really just to become acclimated to the other side. Athletically, you're better, but sometimes in a, in a business world, it's not as clear cut who's the better option. So you have to really kind of dig in and find the other ways to communicate, network, and find out the other ways to advance your career and learn from some of the older people that are doing something completely outside of sports. You know, you go in and you want to be as humble as you can be. You don't want to walk in and say, hey, guess who I am? Or don't you know who I am? None of those type of things. But you really want to be focused on learning as much as you can from the older workers and more experienced workers and and how they're processing their situations and trying to get better that way. So it gave me a good brand of not only just being sometimes more talented, whether it's academically or athletically, but also learning how the other parts of the world works, the being able to communicate. How am I going to be a good leader? How do I, you know, my wife's a teacher. So how do you learn how to, to run a classroom or to, to give assignments to a ton of people and, and make sure that they know what they're doing as well? Sure. And so, you know, we talked about, or I mentioned that your son plays in the league. He's in his second season. I recently wrapped up my path to the draft series where a number of those young men were either picked up in the draft or as undrafted free agents. And some of them may be listening to, to the show or other guys that listen and follow the podcast. What advice would you give to those younger guys that are trying to make it in the NFL? And to your point, the average career is less than three years. It's closer to two years now to really help them to be successful post their NFL career time. There's an old coach, Frank Gans, that used to use the term a commitment to ongoing skill development. You have never really ever arrived in the NFL in that league. I mean, you have to continually be getting better or someone's going to come get your stuff. There's guys that want it every year. So the reality of it is whether you're drafted or undrafted, it really doesn't matter once you get there. Yeah, if you're picking the first round, you're going to make the team, <laughs> right? But um, when you start talking about extensions and how long guys play, that's going to depend on them and their work ethic and how good they are overall. Sometimes your athleticism and your talent gets you in the league, but the other stuff has to make you stay in the league. The work ethic, the ability to study opponents, the ability to get better, taking care of your body. There's some of the older players that if you – Look at some of the older guys. You always read stories about how the Tom Brady's, Jerry Rice's, how they take care of their body, not just during the season, but during the offseason and, and just making sure that you're doing all the right stuff to extend your career as long as you can extend it. One of these days you'll be old like me. At the end of the day, you want to be able to tell everyone that you maxed out your ability and you played as long as your body allowed you to, not some of the other reasons why guys don't last as long as they do. I think that's important. I think it's important to take care of your body, take care of your mind as well. And I love that you talk about whether you're drafted or undrafted doesn't matter. It's about, you know, the competing and that continual improvement because that's important 
for all of us, right? Whether you're on the football field or not, you always have to be looking at how you can be better at your craft because there is somebody else that is willing to take your spot. Now, on the football field, you have people that are on the roster that could take your spot or, or you've got you know, executives that are looking at decisions to make. In the business world, someone might not be you know, at the door waiting to take our spot, but if you're not performing and you're not improving, you could get let go or other people will get the opportunities for promotion that you could have had because you were not looking at how you can be better at your craft and continually improve. Yeah, no question. And the other thing is, is the evolution of whatever you're doing. And what was interesting is as soon as you feel good about how your processes are working, there's something new out there. So you have to continually evolve and find out what's new out there. You know, when I was picking a staff, when I was in the executive chairs, I always wanted some older workers because the older worker doesn't care as much. He'll tell you to, hey, whatever. You know, he'll tell you it's mine. The experienced guy in the middle, the mid-metal manager can help be kind of a liaison between the older and younger guys. And you wanted some young guys in there as well because she wanted all the new innovations. And whether it was someone with new ideas coming out of college or whatever, you didn't want to be the old guy who only has an AOL account. I mean, you want a Gmail account, you want Twitter, you want Facebook, you know, you want to have all the new stuff. So you had to make sure you had a diverse staff and make sure that you're continuing to grow, not just in what you know in your experience, but also what's new. Um, what's your competition doing and, and how are they processing things? And that's a continuous thing. And that really, in sports, that's big time as well as anywhere else. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about when you transitioned from the NFL into the executive, the more business side of sports. Talk to us about that journey. And what were some of the differences that you really learned from becoming a player to going to the business side? One of the biggest differences, I think, is, you know, one of my advices to all the young players is once you get to the higher levels of football, you're coming from a little bit of a celebrity or a lot of bit of celebrity where people know your name and they know who you are. That means nothing once you get in the business world. I won't say it means nothing. You can leverage your contacts and you can get opportunities because of your name brand. However, though, I will tell you, though, that once you get into a job, just making sure that some of my athletes are you're humble as well. You know, you don't want to walk into the CEO's office and stick your feet up on his desk because, you know, my name is whoever you think you are. You want to come in in a very professional situation and act very professionally and, and work your way to wherever you need to get. One of the biggest questions I always ask all my guys when I was interviewing them is what happens, at, you know, whatever job you take, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years? And they all say, I want to be the CEO. I want to be the, the general manager. I want to do this. And I always would ask them the question, what if you're still in the same chair you're in now? Are you happy? So obviously everyone always talks about the passion of what you're picking, but at the same time, though, you have to really be excited about what you're doing. And if you don't get the promotion right away, it can't be a career anything. You know, there's a lot of younger player people that just want to accelerate to the top, but really the thing that helps you the most is being able to build a base throughout the course of your career. And once you get into that chair, you know exactly what to do. I'll give you my example of that. I'm playing at Miami, Ohio. I'm going to make it to the Hall of Fame. I'm a four-year starter. Everything's great. Looks like I'm going to get drafted. Oh, there I am. I'm 62nd player taken in the draft. And in today's world, that's a low second. Back then, when there were only 28 teams, it was a high third. But I'm in the NFL, okay? So now you're playing with the New York Giants. And then you're with the Detroit Lions and Cincinnati Bengals. But, you know, once you pass that three-year mark, you better start thinking about what you're doing, even if you make it that far. So the average life's about three, three and a half years. So I started doing the internships with the power and light company just to prepare myself for the next thing, knowing that I was already past my average time frame. Well, what happens? My sixth year in the league, I get injured 
and I'm hurt and I have a career ending neck injury and I can't play football anymore, even if I want it. Uh, it's right in the middle of the season. Well, the power and light company wants me to work for them. I've already set that up. Okay. And then the old ball coach from Miami, Ohio called me and um, <laughs> I have too much football in my blood and I have to say yes to that. So I had a choice between going to the power and light company, selling pharmaceuticals at Pfizer, which I had already networked with some of my guys. So you're constantly networking throughout your process and making sure that you're preparing yourself for the next step. And then the football coach called and I went to Miami, Ohio, and I coached wide receivers for three years. Well, while I'm at Miami, Ohio, I go, I call up the head coach from the Detroit Lions, Wayne Fonts, and ask him if they have any coaching internships that's trying to get better. And he told me, no, you have some scouting internships. Oh, okay. So I did the scouting internship with the Lions. And it took them three years before Rick Spillman, who's now the general manager of Minnesota Vikings, he was a scout for them. And he became a director of college scouting for Chicago Bears. And when he left, it took them three years to have one opening. They called me. So my point was, is you're networking, you're setting it up the whole time, you get better at what you're doing, you're staying in contact with your contacts. And then once you're in there, you got to start building, you know, it would have been great if someone said, hey, you're a GM in a year and you walk up there and you're in the top. And now what do I do? So what you want to be able to do is I hit every area in the scouting department. I went from being a Blesto scout, which is the entry level scout that goes out, looks at all the juniors, while the old guys look at the seniors. Then they moved me up to a college area. So I had the Southwest, I had North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, which is stacked with players. So I was evaluating those players. The next year they called me in the office. I was doing the college slash pro job. Kevin Colbert was a director of pro and Ron Hughes at the time, my boss, late Ron Hughes, told me that he thought he may lose Kevin. So he was trying to make sure he had some guys in-house that know what to do in case Kevin left for the director of personnel job. Well, next year, Kevin Colbert got hired for the Pittsburgh Steelers and he's still there two decades later. Okay, so we were talking still like building a base. So Kevin taught me a lot of things and I would lean on him as well throughout my career when I was in Detroit. So now you go from college slash pro scout to director of pro. Now I'm in charge of my own area and I have people that are working directly underneath me and I have to not only keep them motivated, but give them good assignments and show them great detail and energy. So you're in a director chair. Now you're leading people and you get moved up to the vice president level. You know, you're doing the combine work for 20 years and then they call your name and say, hey, we need you to finish the season out. We had started off one and seven. I didn't think we were one and 17, but we we started off one and seven. But what do you do when you're in that chair? So I like to say I had the highest winning percentage in NFL history. <laughs> it's only eight games, but we finished six and two. So once you got into the chair, are you ready and prepared for the chair? Not just let me race to the top and then you get there. OK, what do I do? You know, those are a lot of times those are guys that crash and burn. It's much better to build your base throughout the course of your career and continue to evolve, get better, learn new processes, learn as much as you can from everyone. I negotiated contracts all the way up to the second round. Our president always wanted to do the first rounders. So he let me do a second rounders and third rounders and things like that. So you're negotiating contracts. You So all of a sudden you've been all around the entire building. And when it's time for them to call someone to finish the season off, they call your name. And when they call it, you're ready for it. So at the end of the year, you're six and two, you finish up and then um, it's up to the owner. I always tell them it's a billion dollar business. They can hire who they want. So they hired me for eight weeks and it was a blast. I enjoyed it, but I was prepared for it when they called my number. So that's really the, the thing. It's just the commitment to ongoing skill development. That came from Frank Gantz, our special teams coach in Detroit with the Lions. And he was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs for a little while. 
I like that. And I like what you said about once you get to the chair, you're ready to be in the chair because there's so many people that want to be in the chair right away, right? To your point. And there's so much skills that you need to learn. There's all that experience and development that you need to get so that you can successfully execute when you're in the big chair. The other thing that I like that you mentioned is, you know, talking to young men about you know, the journey, right? Are you going to be happy if you're still in the same spot? And for me, when I work with people, whether they're players or executives, it's about positioning themselves for a career that they're excited about and they're enjoying the entire journey. It's not just about the end destination. So let's figure out what that progression needs to look like and the skill set that you need to have so that you are having a fulfilling career throughout, not just trying to get to the top. No question. I had ran an internship program as well, just to try to help the young guys get ready. And I got a lot of guys in NFL now. They always call me and bank me or you see them around, they're happy. But you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, if you're in that chair, are you happy being in that chair and, and continuing to grow? Because the toughest thing about the National Football League is there's only 32 teams. So as guys that continue to develop, it's not like you're an accountant, like I was scheduled to be or a broker or something. And you can go next door across the street or down the street to the next brokerage and get another job. There's 32 of these things in the world. So as guys continue to grow, sometimes they'll walk in my office and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next step. And I go, hey, yeah, you are. But the guy that's in the chair is only 38 years old. He's not going anywhere, right? So that's why you had to really make sure that guys were just excited to be in the chairs that they were in because over a course of a career, everybody's in those chairs and you just kind of support the guy that's there. I've been a general manager. I've been all across the entire scouting department and now the Washington football team calls me. First off, it helped me get a job because I had been in all these areas before. But secondly, I have some experience to help the guy that's in the chair. You know, most guys aren't gunning for other guys' jobs. You're just trying to help the guy that's in the chair. So, hey, whoever's in the chair that's your boss, hey, I can help you a little bit. I'm here to give you some assistance because I've been there. But there's 32 of them in the world. That's it. And some guys would get disgruntled and leave. And you go, why? Why'd you leave the National Football League? If that's been your goal the whole time and you love this sport, and you're at the highest level, why would you walk away because you didn't get a promotion? There's only 32 of them in the world. That's it. And then when you go outside and you try to, you know, move in a different direction. So you have to really, you know, the passion of what you're doing and especially what I'm doing now and what I've done my entire career is just enjoy the football. Those are great points. And something else that I want to ask you about, Sheldon, is you know, the world has kind of changed with this thing called social media over the last decade. I'll say, and now we have so much information at our fingertips. We can see what people are doing. And it's really important for these players to manage their brand even more so than it was a decade or two or go just because social media is everywhere. So I guess what would you say to young men that are listening right now about managing their brand through social media? The first thing I would mention is for me specifically, I'm only on LinkedIn <laughs> for the most part. That's the only place I am. And really, it's a business thing. But for guys that want to kind of go out into the world and head out into those other areas of Twitter and Snapchat and all those things, the advice I would give them, which is the same that I would give my son, is before you hit sin, think about it. Step back and think about what you're getting ready to type in or print or send out to the world. Because once it's out there, it's out there. So think about it. Even if you have time to sleep overnight on it before you send something out there, because it's, it's just out there forever. I mean, it could be. So you just be careful, use caution. Always the, the success stories, the underdog type stories, those type of things, guys working out or, you know, doing productive things in life. Those are a, a lot 
better than some of the other things, in my opinion. Now, can you have fun in there and make money and do some other things? Absolutely. Build your brand with, you know, some hilarious things. Absolutely. TikTok's hilarious. But just make sure that, you know, understand that whatever you put out there, it's out there forever. And it may come back 10 years from now. You may have tweeted out a quote or something or, or like something that comes back to haunt you when someone's searching your, your network when they're attempting to hire you. So is anything that you're thinking about it, think about it twice. If you have a trusted source of someone that can read it for you and evaluate it for you, great. You know, there's sometimes my son would, when he was younger in high school, I'd run up the stairs and say, hey, take that off. Take that off. <laughs> I don't know what you put in here. You can't tweet that. You know, and it'd be something simple in his mind or, you know, but I'm thinking that as he gets older, he might not want some of these things on. So just being cautious, but at the same time, having fun with it and attempting to build your brand, but build it in the right way and make it in a positive way. That's my opinion. Sure. And you're right. It never goes away. Even if you think it's gone away or it's so long ago, sometimes those things will resurface. So we always need to be mindful of what we're putting out or take a pause, especially if we're emotional about something before we actually hit that tweet button or send button or post. You got it. So for folks that are thinking about a career in professional sports, either because you know they played and their time is up and they're transitioning or just other people out there who have been thinking about maybe you know trying to get into the sports world, what kind of advice would you give for them into breaking into a career in sports? I call it being passively aggressive and being there. You don't want to bother people, but you want to continue to communicate with them. So I would tell them somewhere around, around once a quarter, you would reach out to certain people in high areas and just say hi. You try to volunteer work if you can. If you can walk at X, if you can shadow one of the workers for a day, you want to get into the building and be around and just be visual and hope you're making a good impression. My goal, like I mentioned, I was just trying to get better as a receiver coach at that time. But being in the building with the Detroit Lions, I did such a good job in their scouting department at that moment, apparently, that they called me three years later. They had interns every year. But they had one opening, and three years later, they called me for it. So you want to be building the whole time, communicating with those guys, networking, sending your resume, keeping them updated with who you are and where you are. Hey, I'm, you know, I, I took a job at, at whatever uh, company, or I'm coaching now at this high school, or I'm in grad school, I'm in law school over here. Making sure that you're continuing your network, but uh, really, before you even do that, you have to build it from the start. I always say we all know it's easier to get a job when you have a job. So as you're up and coming, especially when you're when you're an athlete, when you're coming up and you're more visible, you want to be able to continue. You're talking about building your brand and you want to network your brand as well. Lots of times, all of us, when we look at job posts, by the time the thing's posted, it's, someone's already hired lots of times. So someone's already done the work before the job even gets posted and then they're the favorite to get the job. So you want to be able to, while you're in it, especially continue to network with people try to get in the building, let them know what your long-term interests are, and then um, try to get around them as much as possible, especially the people that are in hiring positions, uh, just so they know the face. It's always, oh yeah, you know, I got a job open and, you know, that Jim Garrett, she'd be great at it because I know her. She's been around me. I've had communications with her. She stopped me at the combine and said hello or whatever and those kind of things or, you know, and you're constantly building your communication and networking so when the opportunity does come, you're hoping that you've built enough of that up, that goodwill up, that you're the favorite. And then you got to finish the job with the interview. And obviously, once you're in there, that's just the start. Now you got to do a great job for the person to hire you. So that's my suggestion on that, the recommendation. 
Yeah, that, that's great. And as you know, I mean, the sports industry is very competitive, just like other industries. And sometimes we might not get that job, right? That first one. How do you help people kind of get through like the rejection and the, the negative feelings around that to keep pursuing, you know, that path? My oldest son is an actor in Los Angeles. <laughs> you talk about rejection now. He may go to an audition. There's 300 people there and they're picking one. So sometimes he'll come home and say, I'm in the bottom eight. I mean, I'm in the top eight or whatever. I got down to four. And then sometimes I got the gig, you know, but if you talk about one of the most highly competitive places, he's in it. Um, and he's been out there for five or six years. He's been on a lot of different sitcoms and those type of things. And he's making it work. He hasn't called me for money. But the reality of it is, is just try not to ride the roller coaster, especially when you get to the higher level of sports. There's only a select number of jobs. So make sure you have a contingency plan to do something else if it does not work or while you're continuing to pursue these jobs, you have something else going on that's self-sufficient and you can take care of yourself. But at the same time, though, if you really want it, you got to keep going after it. You know, my situation was a little different because I was in the NFL. I finished up at Detroit after 19 years in the NFL. I was in Detroit. In 2015, I'm the interim general manager. I have more wins than winning percentage than anyone. And they tell me they want to go with a different guy. Like I mentioned, it's a billion dollar company. They can pick whoever they want. But at the end of the day, now you're out there. And so I took a hiatus because my son, Cody White, is going to be Mr. Football in the state of Michigan. Had to let that one go, right? You could tell that the team that his high school had plans for him. He's a junior. Going into his junior year, he's going to be the best player in the state. And my daughter was a freshman. She's already on the varsity soccer team and dressing on the soccer team. She's on the varsity volleyball team. She's going to be the MVP of her high school volleyball team and be an all-conference soccer and volleyball player. And you could tell as a freshman, they had plans for her as well. So I had to take a little bit of a hiatus. You know, I just chose family. I chose family and said, hey, you know what? Might be an NFL later, may not be, but right now I need to take care of what I need to take care of with my family. And so I was blessed that Mark D'Antonio called me at Michigan State because my son Cody had already committed there. He said, hey, what are you doing at home? Well, I'm just really taking care of my family. So, yeah, he told me, find something for me to do. And um, in the next four years, I was at Michigan State. It was a blessing. Okay, so now Mark D'Antonio retires, and now you got to try to get back in the National Football League. Not an easy thing to do, but you just kind of hope you built the base enough to get back in and, and continue to network with people and show them your value. And so I have another opportunity. Oh, that's wonderful. And you mentioned Michigan State fine football program, of which I had two, two Michigan State players on my path to the draft series just a couple months ago. And those two young men are fantastic. Antoine Simmons, Naquan Jones, really enjoyed having them on the show as well. So Sheldon, what I want to do now to wrap up the show is I want to transition to my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Oh boy. <laughs> okay, shoot. All right. My first question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? If you looked at my middle school yearbook, it will tell you I wanted to be a professional football player. I'm pretty sure I didn't say professional athlete. I'm, I'm pretty sure it said professional football player. I wanted to play in the NFL. So I was blessed enough to have enough talent and navigate any kind of roadblocks I could have and, and work my tail off to get there and actually make it happen. But that's what I wanted to do when I was in middle school and 10 years old. Love it. And you made it happen, which is awesome. My next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Wow. You know what? I'm going to kind of probably go off script a little bit here because this guy just passed away, but I probably have Chadwick Boseman play me. And the reason why is because he's so multi-talented. My goal was always to be able to do more than one thing. 
So you got the finance degree, you got the football going, you can become an executive, you can negotiate contracts, you can run an organization, you can run your team business, those kind of things. I wanted to always work to become a multi-talented guy. When I mention him, it's because you have a guy who's as broad in his acting that he can go from playing Jackie Robinson to playing Thurgood Marshall to playing the Black Panther. So that would probably be my choice, even though he's passed away. Great choice. Yeah. Chadwick, he was a very talented actor, could do a number of different roles. So it's still a great, great choice. My next question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? My favorite vacation spot. We've been a ton of places over the years, especially when I was an area scout. I had an opportunity to go everywhere earlier in my career. But I will tell you probably my favorite vacation spot is my backyard with my family. When we all have time and we can get together and we're cooking and grilling out or just hanging out in the backyard or for my wife and me sitting on the deck and having a glass of wine, that's my favorite spot. That's my favorite vacation spot. We can look right out. We're a little higher than some of our other neighbors, so we can look right out on our deck and look at the neighborhood. That's enough fun for me. Oh, that's great. Making great memories with the family, no matter where you're at, even in your backyard. You got it. There you go. Oh, I will tell you one thing on that too, because we went to Disney World a ton when they were younger. Okay. When I mentioned this, something as simple as a backyard. And <laughs> one year I just say, let's mix it up. We're going to drive the state of Michigan for a week and we'll go to Disney World two months from now. And we literally drove up north towards the thumb and around the entire state of Michigan. And we stopped whenever we felt like it. You know, we had some scheduled stops, but we stopped whenever we felt like it. So we went up through the thumb and we were stopping there and we ended up in Mackinac Island. And then we drove over to the dunes and then we headed down to the west side and went to the amusement park over there, Michigan Adventure. And then we came home and it was a whole week. And I tell you, we had just as much fun as we did at Disney World and spent <laughs> one tenth of the money <laughs> on those mouse ears. Anybody that's been out there would know what that costs. So yes. that's why the backyard came up. Oh, I love that. All right. My next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? I can be simple sometimes, too. When I find something I like and I can get into a routine, it's vanilla. Plain vanilla. Okay. I'm not an ice cream guy. I don't eat a lot of ice cream or sweets, but when I do, that's if I'm going to ice cream, that's usually my go-to. Good for you. I need to eat less ice cream, maybe. I do work <laughs> I do work out twice a day, so I, I do make sure to balance it out. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? One of the biggest pet peeves for me is just not being prompt. Someone who's not prompt. Like you mentioned, Jen, you reached out to me at the combine. We met there in the Legends room. And every time you said, hey, I'm going to call you at three o'clock, it's three o'clock you're calling me. And maybe that's the military in your background. My dad was military. I love promptness. When someone's not prompt, I can't stand it. If they tell me they're going to call me at three and they call me at 630, I'm pissed. And guys that don't follow up or guys that only call you when it's of convenience to them. Hey, you just got a new job. Let me call you. And I haven't talked to you in six years. You know, you have some of those phone calls. So really, those are the two things with me. The promptness totally respecting others' time that way. Like I always attempt to do with mine. I'm always attempting to return the text messages as soon as I can. Just trying to get back with people and do those things. And I love it when people give me the same respect with my time and being proud. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's a pet peeve of mine too, is when people aren't respecting your time. Because we're all people. We all deserve to have people respect our time, no matter what level you are in an organization or what your job is. I mean, everyone's got the same amount of time, so we should respect people's use of it. My next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? That's a good one. I'm about 100 pages into a book called The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. And what I wanted to do, I was going to recast, but I wanted to read this book first. I mean, this book is about the migration of African-Americans from the South back in the 
40s, 50s, before the civil rights happened. When I had some time off, I was doing a lot of reading on civil rights and reading on the Civil War and those type of things. And this book has captured me just trying to find out reasons why guys decided to migrate up north and now why are they going back down south? So that was one of the books I'm reading, heading towards Cass next. A couple of my other ones that I read that I enjoyed recently is I just finished Barack Obama's A Promised Land, his memoir. It was long, and it was, but it was good. I've heard if you can get the podcast of that or the um, audio version where he's actually doing the talking, I've heard it's even better than reading it. The other final book I read was a book called Bad Blood. Um, that was really good. It was about a young lady named Elizabeth Holmes who dropped out of Stanford to start her own company. I think it was called Theranos. And uh, it was a total fraud. But she was able to influence a lot of multi-million and billionaire type people to give her a ton of money. So she was worth a ton of money before they realized that her product did not work and that the company was fraudulent. But it took years. I believe she's now in court now. Those are three of my four of my best books coming up. Two of them I've already read. and I'm in the middle of the third one. The Warmth of Other Suns is the name of the book. Gotcha. Well, thanks for sharing those. And my last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, either living or deceased. Who would you pick and why? Okay. I can't choose. God's the obvious one. So <laughs> let's take him out of that equation. Good choice. I always live by faith that way. I'm faith-based and um, I believe wherever I'm supposed to be is where I'm going. And so I'm blessed to be in, with the Washington football team now. But outside of that, I was just talking to you about the warmth of the other sons and the migration and the civil rights and all that stuff. And then reading about the civil war and everything that's going on today, you're trying to see what kind of parallels or what things that make sure that you're not repeating yourself and just kind of getting some background on those things. So I would probably have my father. He's passed away now. He died at 49 way back in 1986. And the reason being is I'll never forget one of my uncles telling me, I was going to sit out one of the elections and he screamed at me in a, in a very loving, passionate way and said, hey, man, you know how hard it was for us to, to get the opportunity to vote? He's in his mid 80s now. But he was like really irritated. It's like, you can't sit this out. We worked our tail off to get to that point to be able to vote. So um, that's always been something that's been of interest to me. And I mentioned my dad because I could get some additional information on his time instead of just reading on it, uh, his time there and what if they needed to do to get through that time in the 60s and you know, when everything was changing. So that adds to me, the other two people were Martin Luther King and Muhammad Ali because they were fighting the same fights and just finding out, you know, what was working for them, what's the same today, what's different and trying to just learn a lot more about not just what's happening today, but how we got to where we were back then and how we moved the dial back then like they did at that moment. Well, those are great choices and great reasons for picking them. So Sheldon, as we look to wrap up today's show, any last thoughts for our listeners? The last thought really was just enjoy your life. And the biggest thing I mentioned is I could have a million more bucks in my pocket if I had continued chasing NFL when I did. And I enjoyed my time with my son better. Um, so the priceless moments, don't let those go. I hear your four-year-old in the background. She's going to be 18 soon and out of the house. So enjoy that time with your family. Make sure that your family's before it's God and family before it is even job, in my opinion. And I, I've been able to bless enough and talented enough, I guess, to to be able to run that gamut that way. But man, it, it was a priceless moment with me and my son at Michigan State. And it was the right thing to do. It's the right thing to stay near my daughter when she was coming through high school. And now she's in a nursing program at Michigan State. And there's only, they only accepted, I believe, 80 kids per semester there. And she's one of the 80 and she's competing there. So 
you know, being around the family and making sure that you keep them in your thoughts as you're moving forward in your career would be the best way to go and make sure you balance it. Completely agree with that. I mean, I think that money doesn't buy happiness, as we know, and it's more about the priceless memories, like you mentioned, and those moments with your family and the people that matter when people are on their deathbed, they don't think, oh, I wish I had made more money, or I wish I had worked more. It's about I wish I had spent more time with people and nurturing the relationships that matter in our lives. So I think that's a great piece of advice for people to think about. It's not just about chasing a paycheck. You got it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Sheldon. It's been great to finally have you on and definitely looking forward to seeing Cody in action as well in the upcoming NFL season. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And thanks for your time. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will see you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.